You're listening to On The Left Side, the alternative football show. I think he's got every right to be angry. And I think there'll be a lot of football players, a lot of football fans that actually think, you know what, he should have belted him one. Hello, happy On The Left Side day to you. I'm Jim and I've got a bucket full of football funny to throw in your direction. Here it comes. Welcome to the All Thrills and Spills and Sanity Fairground Ride that is the Transfer Window Merry-Go-Round, where a constant source of hopeful fans, desperate managers and greedy football agents constantly fuel the fires of rumour with crazy and outlandish transfer suggestions. One of the most outlandish claims of all this week has been from Arsenal manager Arsene Wenger, who said this... Do you expect to be busy in the January transfer? I will be busy, yes, because uh, I'm open-minded on uh, any possibility to strengthen our team. Arsene Wenger, busy in the transfer window. Doesn't seem very likely now, does it? The transfer window is usually a time that the Frenchman locks his wallet in an incredibly secure safe, surrounded by concrete at the very bottom of a lake on Mars. Wenger is certainly not a man known for flashing the cash, but I guess he didn't exactly specify what he's going to be busy doing during the transfer window, did he? I'm sure Arsenal fans will be thrilled when they see headlines like this on the back pages of the paper in the coming weeks. Arsene Wenger does a bit of gardening before nipping into town for a cheeky Nando's. Yep, there is as much chance of Wenger splashing the cash as there is of me getting hold of Kelly Brooks' knit... Sorry. Hello? Who, Wenger? Who? Constant. What? Constantios Mavop... Mavop... Who? No, no, it's okay, okay. No, I'll cover it off. Wow. So Wenger is truly a man of his word, and he's wasted no time at all in signing a new player. Constantios Mavroponos has signed for the Gunners, and that's the name of a 20-year-old Greek defender, by the way, and not the most difficult countdown conundrum ever. Yes, John. Is is a visitor spanks Tom on noon? Arson has dipped into his pocket for the princely sum of £2.2 million to secure the deal. And no, that decimal point isn't in the wrong place. Constantios cost 1 34th of Virgil van Dijk. So probably equivalent to his nose. And that's his nose before it was put out of shape after Southampton refused to sell him last summer. I'm sure the Gunners faithful are very... Very excited. I don't care, fam. But that's just one of the bang-on guarantees of the transfer window, isn't it? Things that happen every single year. Arsene Wenger promises an exciting transfer before spending, well, 2.2 million quid on a player nobody's heard of. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure we're going to see a load of the other transfer window traditions happening over the next month too. Jose Mourinho will continue to moan about a complete lack of funds from his board before spending around 100 million quid on a new winger. One of the relegation-threatened Premier League clubs will tempt a former, ageing player back to the team, whilst the manager ignores completely the fact that they can't run anymore and instead talks about how their Premier League experience will be vital in the battle that's ahead. And every single day, there will be a transfer rumour surfacing that will be best described as bat-shit crazy. The battiest, shittiest and craziest of those right now is the suggestion that the big Geordie drain on the NHS that is Andy Carroll could be swapping East London 
for South London and making a move from West Ham to Chelsea. A rumour that I am 100% convinced can only have been started by Andy's mum. Ma! It's a transfer that if it actually goes through will then become the dictionary definition of more money than sense. Most fans will be struggling to make sense of it at all, whilst the pundits will no doubt utter phrases like on his day he's unplayable and he's a great plan B option, which I suppose you kind of have to say he is. As long as that plan B involves throwing himself around the pitch for 10 minutes, injuring the opposition keeper and getting injured for the next two months. You certainly wouldn't want it as your plan A anyway. If Carroll does make the inexplicable move across the nation's capital, you maybe wouldn't hold it against him. Not because surely it would be a massive payday for the striker, and actually, a role as a backup player with 15 minutes of football here and there may actually suit him. But because West Ham fans are behaving like absolute c bags at the moment. The incident I'm referring to was in West Ham's recent game with West Brom, and I'm personally really struggling to get my head around what a member of the Hammers crowd supposedly shouted at Baggy's Jake Livermore during the game that resulted in him jumping into the crowd to confront the fan. In fact, let's not call him a fan. The very fact that the FA have decided not to take action against Livermore for his actions will tell you just how strong it was. There should be some things that are off the table, no matter how pissed off or passionate or angry you are as a football fan, and what was shouted by the guy in the crowd is one of them. And I'm sure any right-minded football fan, no, no, any right-minded human would agree with that. Something else that should probably be off the table right now? Mocking a player's disability. But that is exactly what happened this week, when Falkirk's away fans hurled fake eyeballs onto the pitch as they played Dunfermline, taunting Furs midfielder Dean Shields, who lost an eye back in 2006. Just let that sink in for a minute. Fans taunting a professional sportsman who had succeeded in football at the highest level despite losing an eye. What should be heralded as an incredible achievement. It's the equivalent of going to watch Beethoven play the Fifth Symphony and then hurling fake ears at him. Alright lads, chuck him now! Ow! Kind of. You get my point anyway. What's amazing about both these attacks is that they require a certain amount of research and planning. Back in the day, chants like the Beckham baiting at least had a certain level of humour to them, and they weren't based on any kind of specific fact. Or at least, I don't think they were. Here we have football knobheads getting ready for a match by preparing a dossier on potential psychological weak spots for opposition players. Hang on love, let me just check I got everything. Scarf? Check. Replica shirt? Check. Detailed internet research on the opposition left back? Check. Let's go. Unbelievable. But speaking of dickheads, the future of Jose Mourinho has been called into question over the last few days. It was only six months ago that the press were talking up the chances of Jose Mourinho's United team capitalising on his magic ability to win a trophy in his second season by snaffling the Premier League title. At that time, Mourinho's residency in Manchester's five-star Lowry Hotel was heralded as a sign of how happy he was in the city. Fast forward seven months, a few drop points and an absolutely massive gap between the Reds and the league leader's City and his hotel stay has now turned into a sure sign that he intends to leave United and a portrait of his sad existence as some kind of footballing Alan Partridge. 
flirting hopelessly with hotel receptionists, <laughs> building weird relationships with Geordie Handyman, taking his big plate to breakfast and preparing to drive back to Madrid at the first opportunity in bare feet whilst gorging on Toberone. The rumours have got so strong that Jose was forced to address them in his press conference and also discount them. I say garbage. I'm going to leave when the club wants me to leave because I have no intention to leave at all. Okay, so why are you living in a bloody hotel then? If the fans want me to be comfortable, that's the way I feel very comfortable. That's the way I feel very comfortable because I am very lazy. Fair point. The one thing you'd expect to get from an 850 quid hotel is comfort. I've stayed in Premier Inns where you get a choice of three pillows. I imagine for 850 quid a night, you get a choice of mattress and pillows and bed and probably you share it with as well. No wonder Josie doesn't want to leave. In fact, it's probably all just jealousy, isn't it? If you gave me the option of staying in a five-star hotel or my grotty little abode full of barking dogs, screaming kids and washing up that needs to be done, I know which one I'd pick. So let's forget about it. Jose's future is secure. More secure than the future of, say, Alan Pardew. Pardew has made a bit of a reputation for himself in football, for turning up to a club, getting instant results, getting players running through walls, and then six months later, almost as soon as he gets linked with the England job, it all falls to pieces. Well, this time, Al seems to have changed it up a bit, and with excellent efficiency, has skipped the whole six months of doing well, and skipped straight to where it all goes disastrously wrong. The former Palace, Newcastle and West Ham boss is yet to win a game with the Baggies, a 0% win ratio. And in fact, has only won six games of football in the last two years. It's at times like this I think we should take a moment to remember a headline from the Evening Standard, published on the 29th of December 2016. It read, If Real Madrid won't you, then Palace won't stand in their way. Hard to believe now, isn't it? In some ways, I wish that had happened and Real Madrid were now playing football in the English Championship somehow, with the fans wishing they'd appointed Sam Allardyce instead. So West Brom fans are busy uttering the phrase, careful what you wish for, whilst West Brom themselves sink deeper into the relegation zone and the gap between them and the other teams gets ever wider. Some are already asking for Pardew to get the sack, but the question is, if you get rid of Alan Pardew, who'd you get in instead for the relegation battle ahead? If only Tony Poulis were available. Time to go. See you soon. Hit subscribe if you like the show. Hit follow on Twitter if you really like the show. That's on the left side. And send flowers and chocolates and piles of money to my house if you really, really like the show. I'll be back on Thursday with the next one. See you then. On the Left Side is written and produced by Ant McGinley and Jim Salverson for Abrupt Audio. Bye, 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 bye,